0: Hey everybody, it's Pastor Downer from Gold Street Garden Church. We're so thankful to have you on the podcast channel. Today's message is entitled, Our Weakness is His Strength, where we focus on our heart posture with these three focal points, dependency, persuasion, and persistence. I know that this message is going to bless you immensely when it comes to your time alone with Him in prayer. We love you all. Be blessed by this. Last week we, we were talking about the prayer that, that, that He desires. And we went through a lot of very imperative truths. And you know, one of the things that blessed my heart so much about last week, is even we did communion at the end of service. And we just said, anybody wants to come up for prayer at the end. And I, I, was, I was so filled with joy to see it was like, it felt like it was two thirds of everybody that was here flooded the altar to get prayer, how many people experienced God at the altar last week, it was so holy, it was so precious, the words of, there was words of wisdom, words of knowledge that went forth, that's gifts of the spirit, how many people believe that God is active right now? Like that he can, that, that your expectation that he can meet you right where you're at here in this place tonight, he already has been meeting people. <laughs> I've, I mean, uh, I was truly getting so moved by the Spirit of God during worship. And one of the things that I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, as he was whispering in my my ear, the ears of my heart, I was hearing, get intoxicated with my love so you have no consciousness to insecurity. Get intoxicated with my love so you have no consciousness to insecurity. You know, when we hear about getting intoxicated with the love of God, you know, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the spirit of God. That there's something about the infilling of his spirit, of who he is, that causes us, you, is any, I mean, I don't wanna, you know what I mean? <laughs> anybody has been drunk in the world before, on alcohol or whatever, that you become, you lose consciousness to certain logical things. And when you get filled with the Spirit of God, you lose consciousness to the world's ways of doing things. And you become influenced by the Spirit, not lowercase spirits. You get influenced by Him. And did you know who you really are is when Jesus, His influence upon your heart is who you really are. That once Christ begins to influence who you are, and it comes upon your heart. Your personality is not the way you were born. It was not that. That's why there's so much problem in the world because people say I was born this way, but that's why you gotta be born again. And it's, it's understanding that becoming born again, you then take on his nature and his nature does not have, it does not have insecurity, his nature does not have things that would cause you to feel inferior but you 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 move in such humility because of his love and you operate from a place of humility and it's not lording over people because Jesus we said this last week that one of the most powerful things about Jesus is actually and this is my humble opinion but when you look at him coming to this earth one of the things that's so precious is His signs and wonders that he did were miraculous. But one of the things that's almost more powerful is what he chose not to do, knowing he could do anything. Like, if you ever consider that, he could have came down from the cross at any moment. When people were speaking a certain way, he could have just said, poof, be gone. The Pharisees, he could have just, poof, be gone. Like He could have done whatever he wanted, yet his humility... Restrained him because love will cause you to stay places that your flesh doesn't want to. Love will keep you consistent. Love will keep you from refusing to give up on somebody. Love will cause you to do things that will cost you everything. And I wanted to continue with the thread of prayer tonight because we're going to be going into corporate prayer this Sunday. And, you know, when we have outreaches and stuff, everybody gets excited. And I'm thankful for that. And I want us to always have that vein. But the reason that a lot of people get excited about outreaches is because they see the action. They see the fruit right there. They see the loss coming. They see the tangible reality of what's happening but the reason people don't want to show up to corporate prayer oftentimes in American church is because there's no there's sometimes no instantaneous results and that there's a true labor of love but one of the things that we've we've talked about is love takes all the toil out of labor that when you do it for love, that it's not labor, it's not laborious, it, it, it's, it's just our minds think that. But when we come and we have to have this vein in corporate prayer that we're coming into the house of God to connect with the, the eternal pulse of the Spirit. We're coming into a room corporately and we are connecting with the heartbeat of God. I'm here to tell you all that A generation will will lie waste unless the church gets possessed with the heart of God. A generation will just go to waste that we will just have nice little church services but nothing will shift unless we connect with him in prayer. And, And you know why I can say this and be so vehement about this truth is because did you know that when Jesus was on the earth for his three and a half year earthly ministry, that do you know when he did the the, the one time he got extremely intolerant of the action, like there was times he corrected people with truth with his words and all that with the Pharisees. But the one time, he did it twice at the beginning of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, but the time he became intolerant and actually opposed with physical action was when the house of God, the synagogue was being turned into a den of thieves. And he said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And he flipped tables over and he flipped them over and he made a whip. And he was shooing people out with a whip and flipping tables. This is what called. this is what, you know, when he saw people sick and stuff, he would heal them. He would, he would, he would bring heaven to earth. But when he saw that, that the house of God was robbing people of connecting with him, he started flipping things over. Do you think he's changed? You think he's okay if his house is not a house of prayer? And did you know we're now individually houses of prayer? You are. You personally are a house of prayer, but we come together as many stones and we make a tabernacle together for him to dwell. But I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus did not just flip tables in a building, but Sometimes he'll start flipping tables over in your heart. Sometimes he'll pull a whip out in your heart because that's his home. And he doesn't want it to be robbed of you connecting with the Father. And he will shoo the enemy out. I, a truth that has been, I've been saying this a lot lately, it came out of my mouth in a time of prayer. And it, it have, is, isn't it the simple truths that make you so excited? I don't know if it it happens to you, but it happens to me, that sometimes we're waiting for like this wow statement, but did you know Jesus saves? Should that be enough to make you shout? Did did you know Jesus delivers? Did you know Jesus will set you free? Did you know he is freedom? The, The world's always trying to change truth, but the problem is you can't because he's a person and he never changes. And a truth that I've been screaming out in my prayer time alone is that God is a greater giver than the enemy is a thief. When people said the enemy has stolen this, well, God's a greater giver than he's a thief. Did you know God's a greater defender than the enemy is a destroyer? This is things you gotta get in your heart that'll excite you, that'll bring you to a place of not having a pity party. The church is not a place where we have a pity party. It's a place where we're reminded of who we serve. It's a place where we're reminded that we are called to take territory and occupy, but not because of a manipulation of our own wills, but manifesting His. And that's where prayer is so important, that we are praying the prayer he desires. I want to say this before we go any further, because I I notice that this is something that we always have to address, and especially in these circles of going after God in charismatic movements, Pentecostal movements, I want to share that we seek his face, not a feeling. We seek his face, not a feeling. What does that mean? Feelings are fickle, his face is forever. When you start basing your relationship with God on how you feel, the enemy will destroy you. God didn't say the truth, he didn't say the feeling will set you free. He said the truth will set you free. Do you know, have you ever heard of love languages before? Like some people like gifts, some people like touch, some people like spontaneous getaways, and it's, it's people's love language, like the way you have to learn how different people respond. If you're married and you're, you know, your spouse is always mad at you, maybe you need to learn their love language. You know, it's a, you know, It's love language. Did you know what God's love language is? It's faith. It's believing, and if you rely on your feelings, you will stop believing truth because believing means that I am set free whether I feel, did you know, it's so funny how we we feel so much and I'm not here to say feelings aren't real. I'm not here to, God gave you emotions and gave you feelings, but just think about this. If you don't feel like he's Lord, does that change his Lordship? He rose from the grave. If you don't feel like he rose from the grave, does that change the fact that he rose from the grave? But yet, if you don't feel close to God today, that's truer than the fact that he said, I will never, ever forsake you? Are you going to believe or are you going to feel? Feelings are beautiful, and I'm not here to say, Mihai on the floor right now, he's feeling God. That's amazing. You can feel the presence of God. It's a reward. It's something special that can take place. But feelings are not how you gauge your walk with God. Do you hear me, saints? Don't let the enemy control you like a puppet with your feeling strings. You need truth. And this is why you need the word of God more than anything, because You'll look through the Bible, and people that relied on their feelings got into depression. They got into—it's serious. What can happen? And it's not to say feelings are not real, and feelings are beautiful, but they are horrible leaders. They—they they are just—it's just a byproduct of everything. And the—it's—it's—and sometimes we don't. I just feel like going like bare bones for a moment. Did you know that you are—you are a spirit that you're created in his image, and he is a spirit. So if you're created in his image, you, you possess a soul, but you're a spirit. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So your soul is where you feel, but your spirit is what God has regenerated when you became born again, and that is where you communicate with him. That's where you fellowship with him. But the you see, before you got born again, all you did was operate by your soul. So whenever you get into an uncomfortable situation, you'll go back to what's familiar instead of going and leaning in the spirit. And you have to learn, and I'm, I'm telling you this tonight to help you when you are in battles in life, you cannot rely on your soul. You have to surrender your soul to the leading of the spirit of God. Do you hear me tonight? This is important. You, have, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. And your body also has its own desires of this world. And that's why the spirit has to get fed every day. Because a lot of you are feeding your souls and your flesh way more than your spirit. And that's a problem. That will cause major issues. Amen? So I just want to lay that groundwork as we move here. Did that help anybody? So, as we're we're moving forward tonight, I want you to just say this out loud. Say, our weakness weakness. is his strength. strength. Say it again. Our weakness weakness. is his strength. (laughs) This is what we're going to talk about tonight. This is what I want to discuss when it comes to prayer. And we talked about this a little while ago, but I want to bring this up that... We talked about Joshua for multiple months, and we went through multiple stories in the book of Joshua. You can go on our YouTube channels, whatever, and go through all of it. It was beautiful, but we were mainly talking about renewing the mind. I believe that's what it, if you had to look it up, it's all on renewing the mind. When Joshua had to take the Israelites, this is Moses, brought all the people out of bondage, all the Israelites out of bondage. And then before they get to the promised land, Moses, he, he, uh, he gets taken by God. And when he gets taken by God, Joshua is now up to bat. And Moses had saw all these great miracles. Did you, you know the Red Sea parting? You know, we were joking about the other day. Could you imagine if people had cell phones during the parting of the Red Sea? selfie, you know, like going there, you know, like I'm chilling with Moses, hashtag, but you know, out of here or whatever, straight out of Egypt. It's like, you know, all of a sudden, if they had cell phones and all this, like, you know, we're at conferences, we're at church, like, look at me, Jesus. Could you imagine? That's why God spared us. Like, you know, it's like all of that. Could you imagine when the rapture happens and we're all like, here we go, you know, it's like, but... But we have to we have to truly see that when Joshua was instructed to, to move into the promised land, that you let's read it real quick. Let's get our eyes on some scripture. Joshua chapter one. This is gonna help us so much tonight. I'm so thankful what the Lord's about to do in us. And, did you know what we're doing here is you're being enlisted into God's army, not entertained into lukewarm Christianity. You're being enlisted into God's army, not being entertained into lukewarm Christianity. There's a huge difference. There's a lot of people being entertained and they know how to be entertained. They know, they know how to make the monkey jump as high as he can. They know all the tricks. But when you're being enlisted into God's army, it's a very different group of people. You know, I'm so thankful I'm in a house that if I, if something crazy happens in my life, how many people are thankful that you have people around that you know that they'll go to war for you in prayer and that they're not just going to say, I'll keep you in prayer, brother. I'll keep you in prayer and not do anything. Let's just be real. I was that before. That's why I can say it. But you learn more and more that it's an honor to stand in the gap for one another because that's what Jesus does for us. Did you know he's interceding for us right now? It's an honor to intercede for each other. In fact, when people have things going on, it's almost like an opportunity to to grow more intimate in the fellowship. That when somebody has a crisis, we're gonna grow closer. Because when everything's going smooth, I don't have time for you. I got this. I got this. But a crisis has a way of bringing us all together. Like the cross. When you read Joshua, it says in the first verse, chapter one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Joshua had no father. Now I'm just playing. (laughs) Uh, His name was literally Nun. Uh, Moses... Assistant saying Moses my servant is dead now therefore arise go over this Jordan you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them is God giving them this think about this real quick there's there's a phrase that I want us to coast on for a moment say this out loud availability Availability. Accessibility. accessibility they're very different words but this is a problem in the church, that God has made everything available, but you determine what's accessed. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God of our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, everyone say every, every. spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Everything you need, he's given to you right now. It's available, but you have to access it. Even in Romans 8, if you read 31 through 39, all about the love of God, but it says if God did not spare his only son, what makes you think he won't give you everything else? He's made everything available, but are you accessing it? But we find a key here. This is through prayer. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Did you notice God was specific about what his territory was? That's important because some people just think scripture just means I can just do whatever I want when I want. Are you Lord? This goes against some people's theology, but I want you to, you gotta see this. If your theology builds you in pride, there's a problem. We get humbled. He said everywhere in these coordinates are yours. You need to find out your coordinates because you have authority there. The Lord spoke to my wife and I about Pinellas County Clearwater. That's why we're, we're camped. It's like, well, you... This is why some ministries are just, they won't get supernatural results because they just rely on a personality. Hey, you could set up a church anywhere and you know, you got the gift, you could do this, you could get a whole bunch of people to come. There's no anointing on it, it is just a show. Because if he's not there, if he didn't call you there, it's all in your own strength and you will burn out. In fact, if he's not, to do ministry without him is a suicide mission. Just even, I mean, did you, if you read the book of Acts, when they're like, hey, can we just buy the Holy Spirit from you? You read the book of Acts. and It says the next thing, the devils were just tormenting them and kicking them out of the house because they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. Ministry is so much more than, and, and, and I'm talking about pulpit ministry but did you know all of you have a specific calling whether it's business whether it's you know sometimes uh jeremiah johnson when he was here it was so special he was sharing that sometimes we we preach messages from the pulpit that only minister to ministers instead of ministering to people in the business world into the world because it's like well that might work for you but what about me and god Truth is transcendent upon culture, upon any type of position. Say amen to that. So when you're reading... It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. We were just talking about that. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. So why do you think he keeps saying this? Because he knows Joshua and all the people are going to probably be shaken in their little boots. I want to be real with you all. I can get up here and I can share things from my heart, but I would be lying if I haven't said there's been a lot of times I wanted to quit. There's a lot of times I wanted to buckle in just everything in life, not knowing what would be next. And I had to truly realize I I would have to have a, a moment with God. Did you call me to do this? Please remind me again you're with me. Because if I am just doing this on my own and this whole, whatever's happening right now isn't for you, (laughs) I don't want to do this. But if it's for you and you're on this, let's do it. Because he's constantly revealing my weakness so he can be strong again. And soon as you rely on your strength, it will become your greatest weakness. Because you have to rely on him. And this is, oh, we're getting there. Hold on. So, seven, only be strong, very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is saying, this is why prayer is so important in reading the word, because God is saying, I have, Joshua, I made all the promised land available for you, but in order for you to access it, you're gonna have to think the way I think. So you gotta meditate on my word. You gotta have this in your heart that that God is saying, uh, help me, that that right now God has given us more than we have utilized to this point. I wanna say it again so you're, you're following me. God has given you and me more than we've utilized up to this moment. I truly believe that resources for our earthly assignment are waiting on heaven's shelves right now. And it's up to us to, through prayer, to pull on the promises. That when we get into prayer, we remind him. And as we remind him, we become persuaded. And We start to stroke the heart of God and his affection by saying, God, you sent us here and you said you're going to pour your spirit out upon all flesh. I didn't make that up. You said it. And we begin to pray and we begin to stir it up and we refuse that when we see drugs going on in our city, when we see the human trafficking, we don't just say, oh, there it is again. But we begin to be so moved and we said, God, you sent us here for a reason and that we call restoration forth. We call and we begin to contend in prayer and we we bring a smile to his face, and then he begins to deposit his conviction in us. Right now, we just have a little bit of like, God, we need to do something, but when you start connecting him with him in prayer, he starts engraving his heartbeat in you, and then you can't live normal anymore. You can't be okay because you need to please him and you want to see everything change in your sphere. You, you get possessed by his heart and by his spirit. And I hope you're hearing me tonight because this is, this is a love call to the bride. That, that it seems like a charge. It seems like, but that's the thing is that God is trying to stir us into something so great. So in order to access what's already been available, it's through Prayer that we pull on the promises of God. There's a lot of people that are more focused on the problems than the promises. And that's what hinders your prayer life is that your prayer life is focused on problems instead of promises. And not only that, there's a lot of people that are focused on conflict instead of covenant. And they allow the conflict to stir them instead of the covenant in which he spoke. Do you know when Joshua was, was going after these, all the, the, the promised land, I guarantee you he remembered God spoke that to him. And he would meditate when he ran into problems. He would meditate in all these things. And God is calling us in to something. And we have to understand that in order to, we have to acknowledge our weakness to gain access to his strength. If you don't acknowledge your weakness, there's already a huge problem. You have to acknowledge your weakness so you can access his strength. Amen? And when it comes to flowing in that, I've been so awakened, and in Romans chapter 8, verses 25 through 26, it says this, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness when we know not what to pray. Just stop there for a moment. A lot of times when we think of weaknesses, we think, oh, I'm just bad at this or I'm bad at this. Right there in Romans 8, God is saying your weakness is you don't know what to pray. And he's saying that a lot of times your prayer life is so capped because you're praying from your knowledge instead of surrendering to me so your prayer life goes through the roof. Let me conduct the conversation of prayer, son. Let me conduct the conversation of prayer, daughter, because you are capping and sealing sealing yourself out of what I have for you because you're praying from problems when I want you to be reminded of promises. I want you to be reminded of my covenant, not the conflict. Are you hearing me tonight? God is taking us to this place in prayer and there's no turning back once you get here because once you realize that your weakness is prayer, that's when you'll really start praying. Because there's so many times, let's be honest. How many times have you been praying and you thought you just prayed the house down and it was only a minute? (laughs) Why is that? Because your flesh can't handle prayer. Because it doesn't seem productive. It doesn't seem like it's getting anything done. But God is saying, let me show you how weak you are and I'm going to put you on like a glove and then you're going to be my puppet and I'll get you to speak the things I want you to speak in prayer this is why praying in tongues is so powerful a lot of people are like I just don't get it it's all and it's like yeah you're not supposed to get it let him pray through you let him speak through you why do you think it's your intellect that's going to bring heaven to earth it's got to be by his spirit not by might not by power but by his spirit, says the Lord. If we really realize that, you would stop the charade. You would stop thinking that you have the ability to do this. Even with Jacob, before he became Israel, and he wrestled with Jesus all night. Do you know the only thing that he did that was was special? Is he held on. That's what true prayer is. Because what he did, you know how he got the promise? It wasn't all the things he said. It was just he refused to let go. There's too many people that let go too quick in prayer. Some time to do something else. I don't want to do outreaches if we haven't bathed a prayer room. I want every decision I make to be baptized in the secret place. I, I need. And I, I wanna, there's, there's three words that I want to get to you all tonight with this. You ready for them? I'll just fire him out now and notes fall where they land. Everyone say dependency. dependency. Dependency is a word you do not want to escape the vocabulary of your heart. Dependency. We need him. We so need him. That's not a hallmark phrase. That is not. In fact... Prayer is not the means to get answers to become independent. Prayer is the art of learning dependency. And even further, a lot of people use, or let me say it this way. God wants us to depend on his voice, not become independent with his advice. Think about that. God wants us to be dependent upon his voice, not independent with his advice. There are so many people that just want to dip their feet in the Bible just to get a couple little spiritual truths that they can apply to their lives to become a little bit more moral, to become a better person. But God is looking for somebody that's willing to get taken under and drowned and immersed In the reality of who he is to the point where I, I want to be so persuaded of who he is that I cannot find my way out of his wisdom. I want him to persuade me with his words, with who he is, that I can't even find my way out. We've said it before that the only way, if you've never been lost in the presence of God, you haven't found him yet. If you've never been lost in the presence of God, you haven't found him yet. Because once you find him, you don't don't even want to look for the door. You don't even want to find a way out. And we said dependency. Second word is persuasion. Say persuasion. Persuasion. And then the third word is persistence. These three things are going to help us as a body in prayer. And we're going to read a few things to help us in that I want to make a further point real quick with the, uh, the availability and the accessibility. Did you know, and this is, it's so important you know this, did you know you did not do anything to get him to love you? You didn't do anything to get him to love you. If that is true, you can't do anything to get him to not love you. But here's the thing is God's love is unconditional, but his promises have conditions. And we have to get this in our heart to understand the availability and the accessibility. If we want to access what he's made available, his love is is, is there for the taking. It, 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 it's, it's ours and We have to grab it through prayer. We have to grab it through the vehicle of pulling in on that. But you have to establish certain things in your heart when it comes to the love of God. And that is, and I want to make sure I gave you those verses, Ephesians 1, 3 earlier, and then Romans 8, 31 through 39. Now, I want to read right before we, we hit those three points. If you turn with me to Luke 11. You know, I was, uh, there was an old song I was listening to from, uh, there's this art, there was this artist, uh, it was kind of like an indie, an indie rock band, and it I love this phrase. It was saying that, it was so beautiful, that when Jesus walked upon the earth, he wrote this line, he said, did the air rejoice just to be his breath? And then he goes on to say, did the trees lean in just to feel his presence? Wow. Creation, just understanding, the other line that I share with a few people is, he said that, uh, he said, God let my heart die, but left his beating in my chest. Having this there's, there's something about the, the deepness of poetic love to God. That's what the Psalms are. Can I encourage you with something practical you should do this week? Write your prayers down. Write your prayers out. And if you notice your prayers are more list than they are speaking love to him, that's your problem. When I used to write prayers, it used to be Christmas list. When I write prayers now, I forget what I want because he's all I want. I know that some people don't totally get that yet and I was there, but I'm telling you, the more you go after him, we've shared this before that when we bring worship, he responds with the greatest gift, himself. He is the gift. You won't make it in life if he's not your reward. Because as soon as you get a breakthrough or something, you'll need another thing. You'll need something else. If he's not the reward, I'm telling you, that's why even church and things, sometimes the reward is how many people show up or the reward is, oh, this was successful because of this. No, he is the reward. Because you know why that's so true? Because Jesus, in his greatest exploit of love, is hanging on a cross and everyone has left him except John and a few of the women in his life. His greatest moment, Abraham's greatest moment, when he's about to sacrifice his son. Nobody's there to watch it. Nobody's there. God is there. And he sees the most intimate times that you have with him. And this is why prayer is so precious to him. It's so precious. (laughs) <laughs> I, should, I was looking sometimes I look at my notes and I'm just uh, stop playing hooky on your purpose you neglect when you neglect prayer you negate your purpose there's so many ple- people that are finding something more amusing to do because they don't want to take the test they don't want to show up to class because it's gonna cost them something. They're gonna to have to apply themselves. People, it's, I mean, it's crazy. People's prioritization is not kingdom-based at all anymore. It's not kingdom-based at all. People will put everything before the things of God in our culture and even in the church. Church is more about how, a reward to a lot of churches is how fast they can make a service. Shoot the gun and let's see if we can finish in this amount of time. I get it. There's families. There's there's kids. There's things. But I want my kids to grow up in the glory. I want my kids to grow up knowing that God is everything. And he comes first, not how quick we can go out to dinner or how quick we can have our nice little picnic day. When you read the Bible, God actually said he would have Sabbath days and he would have Sabbath years where you couldn't work or do anything. Do you know why? Because God is saying, if you don't stop, and focus on me, there's gonna be problems. So I'm gonna make it a law that you have to do it. But in today's culture, we're under grace. We can just do, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is why being still is so important because he actually made it a law so that you would get along with him and be forced to. It was like, he's like, I'm trying to do something great for you. Sit down and stop working and let me love you. But there's bills to pay. There's things I got to do. I got I to gotta have a okay, I got I to gotta get all these things. I got to do... No. Stop! I created you. I take care of the birds. I take care of the animals. I'll take care of you if you listen to me. Amen? Say again. Dependency. Persuasion. 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 Persistence. So in Luke 11... We have, at the beginning of Luke 11, we have the Our Father, that Jesus teaches them how to pray, and we talked about this last week in extent, or no, not last week, well, we talked about it a little bit last week, but we've gone over this as a body. Once again, you can go on our YouTube channel and things like that, our podcast, and we did a whole breakdown on this prayer. We spent multiple weeks breaking down the blueprint of prayer, because right before Jesus gave the Our Father, He said, don't pray meaningless, vain repetitions. What does the church do? They just say the Our Father. He said, don't do that. And that's what they do. They all repeat. He he said, don't vainly repeat things. So when he taught the disciples how to pray, he wasn't giving them a prayer to recite. He was giving them a blueprint for the prioritization of what you do when you talk to him. And the first thing you do is you acknowledge it's a relationship, our father. And we talked about last week, the reason why he says our is because the only reason he's your father is because Jesus engrafted you in. So whenever you pray, you still say our father because you're not praying alone. Amen. And we talked about last week about the triune matrimony, the Holy Spirit manifesting the desires of God. Jesus is the reason we have the access to the Father who is the source, amen? So you can experience the whole trinity in your prayer life. And they love you. you, Have you ever heard somebody say there's no such thing as a perfect relationship? (laughs) There is. It's called the trinity. Perfect, perfect, perfect love. And God says that I wanna put you in the middle of this love affair of the ages. That was his desire, that God could, that you got all the love of God, you have all the love of Jesus, all the love of the Holy Spirit and God says, you know what, I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna put you right in the middle. Isn't that amazing? That you could just, when you're alone with God, you could just say, can I feel? And I, we don't go by feelings, like I said, but you can ask the Lord, can I experience your, your glory? Can I, can I, can I, can I taste of it? Can I, can I just sit here, God, and be reminded of your love? And sometimes it's not about a sensation. Sometimes it'll, he'll just quicken something in your heart. He'll just, he'll be something so, maybe a, a scripture will come to remembrance. That's not just your memory. That's the Spirit reminding you of promises, things that He's spoken to you, things that He wants you, He wants to highlight to you in this moment of time. Amen? So, when we talk about depend, oh, let me read this. I'm sorry. So, right after the Our Father, this is what Jesus says. So, He He lays out a blueprint for prayer and the prioritization of, of holy topics. He then goes in verse 5 after that, and he, he begins to tell you the, the type of heart and the type of behavior that you want to initiate in your prayer life. And he says, Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give to you. How many people know how, when it is with solicitors, come to your home and you got children and somebody's knocking on your door, you're just, oh man, you just wanna like, who is this person? And you don't want anything to do with them, you're not answering, You, I, you know, we'll tell Bliss, don't talk, don't talk, it's like, everybody like, and Bliss is like, somebody's at the door! It's like, great, we get to hear some meaningless pitch again. You know, it's like, uh, And, but there's some, a truth here in verse eight, it says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, everyone say persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Just stop here for a moment. So Jesus is teaching a principle here about persistence. He's not trying to say that he's the grouchy neighbor that will not give you something. This is a truth that's been more magnified in my heart. I shared it with a few people that there's a truth I was reading about that a closed door does not mean no from God, always. Sometimes a closed door is just leading us to our next verses. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. That sometimes there will be a closed door in a region it seems like we can't get breakthrough in this arena. It seems like we're not in the spiritual realm. There is resistance, that there is something here. And God is looking for a people that will continue to knock and say, I, you said it in your word, God. I know you're in the house. I'm gonna keep knocking. And it's like a lover knowing that sometimes a lover just wants to be discovered. in in an arena, and we have to persist. This is why dependency upon him, but he also wants us to be persistent, to believe he said what he said. Do you get this, That, that sometimes there's too many people that give up so quickly? Oh, it's, door's locked, let's just go. Nobody's home. No, Jesus is saying, I'm looking for a bride that'll keep knocking. I'm looking for a bride that'll keep asking. Not for what they want, but for what I have for them, what I have deposited in them. And I'm telling you, I know there's people in this room that have become more selfless, that have surrendered more, and God is putting his desires in you and he's waiting for you to begin to knock and to persist with them. Say amen. So yeah, as you keep reading, it says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open." If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? What is Jesus doing right here? Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? What did the devil do? He said, if you really are the son of God, turn that stone into bread. Jesus is taking a shot at the enemy while he's teaching. He's saying the father will give you actual bread he won't make you have to turn something into that he will give you real substance if you ask him if you persist you won't have to manipulate an ishmael i'll give you isaac if you if you rely on me this is why you keep reading or if he asks for an egg will he give him a scorpion If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you? Just all the little trinkets you want. He's telling you what you need to ask for in prayer right here. This is where we make the mistake. We'll read these principles and then we'll just try to tell people, this is why you can get whatever you want, whenever you want it. And we don't even get to the main point. Jesus isn't saying, just pray for whatever you want. Even when he told them, ask anything in my name, he wasn't talking to a large group of people that were out of context. He was talking to people that knew who he was and what he liked and what he desired. So when he said, if you ask anything in my name, it'll be given to you. You will do even greater works than these in John 14. He wasn't speaking to a bunch of people. He was at the Last Supper speaking to people that knew his heart and would ask for what he wanted, not for what they wanted. So when you read this in prayer, it says... People know how to give, if even evil people know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit, if you ask? He is saying the greatest thing you can ask for is, Holy Spirit, teach me to pray. Holy Spirit, show me what He wants because I lay my life down. I don't want the American dream. I want to be His dream. I want to I be His dream come true. I want to yield my life. This life is so quick and the enemy is pulling people in. We've talked about it before. The word temptation, the prefix of temptation is temp, temporal. The enemy is trying to pull you into the temporary so you make bad choices. He's trying to pull you out of eternity. If you... Stay eternally minded. You won't fall for temptation as easily as you have in the past. I, a, a great quote from one of the Puritans is: "Do not engross yourself with the, the the do not engross yourself with the concerns of the time, but give yourself to the interest of eternity." And it's in that that we find something so precious that when we turn our affection to eternity, is this helping you? I want to just take, we're we're getting there because I want to let the Lord show off in your hearts and do what only he can do with these points, with dependency, persistence, and persuasion. When it comes to the dependency upon his voice, we just talked about Abraham a few moments ago. Abraham was 100 years old when he had Isaac, which God promised to him 25 years earlier from that. When he was 75 years old, he received the promise from God that he was going to have a son that was born from his wife who had been barren their whole tenure of knowing each other. Isn't it amazing how God chose Abraham and Sarah's weakness to manifest his strength? He chose her barrenness to be where he would bring his promise through. And Abraham learned to depend upon God over that time, and he made mistakes along the way. Are you thankful that people in the Bible made mistakes that we celebrate? Am I the only one? How many times are you glad that we can read about Abraham and David and be like, man, they screwed up way worse than I have. Thank you, Jesus. I'm being real. God did that on purpose. He wanted us to read about the good, bad, and the ugly because he wanted us to see his heart. But here's here's the thing is that when Abraham... When Isaac finally came to be, he waited 25 years for this. And then just a few years later, God says, I want you to sacrifice him. God's got a funny way about doing things, doesn't he? God wants to strip you. You see, Isaac became Abraham's strength. He believed God for 25 years. Every time he walked around, I bet he said, here's my son Isaac. I believed God for 25 years for him. It was his trophy, it was his reward. And God said, I want him, sacrifice him. He said, take your only son whom thou lovest because it's a foreshadow of what God did with Jesus for us. Do you know what Abraham did? It said that the next morning he went didn't argue with God about it or anything. He went because he learned to depend. He learned to depend those 25 years. And it tells us in Hebrews 11 that he believed that even if he sacrificed and that God would raise him from the dead because he was persuaded. That he didn't even allow what God would tell him to do. He never allowed the assignment to dictate the end result of what God said. And Here's what I want you to see about dependency upon the Lord that a lot of us forget. That one day, God said, sacrifice your son. But the next time Abraham hears God, what does God say? Abraham, Abraham. Don't. He says, I've provided. If Abraham would have lived off yesterday's advice, he would have killed today's promise. There are people that are just trying to live off advice, live off things that they've heard in the past, but God wants you to be dependent upon his voice every day. You know what else? When Jesus came to heal, did you know sometimes he would spit in the dirt? Sometimes he would just say a word. He never just had a method because he didn't want people to to rely on a methodology. He wanted them to rely on the voice. There has to be a dependency on the voice. There's so many methods. There's so many things. Some of it's good, but if you rely on it, you will miss him completely. Because he wants to manifest through your weakness, and we turn methods into our strengths. We turn programs into our strengths. We turn what's familiar into our strength. This is why uh, Reinhard Bunke said this, and I love it. He said, if you you find yourself stumbling upon the same stones in life, it's probably because you're walking in a circle. There's some people, same problem over and over again. Maybe you should follow him and stop following your tail. It's... It's something special about dependency that, Lord, if I, don't, if, if I don't hear your voice in Scripture, and I want you to know that this is why you need to—a great example of this. Is there anybody in this room that can testify that you've read a story in the Bible multiple times and got something completely different out of it every time? That's because his voice will minister something fresh to you in a moment of a season you're in, and he doesn't want you to rely on the principle alone. He wants you to rely on his fresh whisper. The dependency. We might be here for 10 weeks, actually. I just realized I haven't gotten anywhere. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Is this, do you think we should hang here for a couple This is the prayer he desires. Let me just see where we're at real quick. Uh, And I want to pray. Do you have a minute? You all all good? Hey, if you, I mean, if you're full, we'll just. There is a moment. That when it comes to the dependency, we were talking about Moses earlier. Isn't it so amazing that God told Moses, lift up the staff and I'll, I'll part the Red Sea? Does that make sense? Is a spiritual lever maybe? Maybe he, he pulled it at the right time and in the spirit realm <laughs> it unlocked something. <laughs> no, no. God... Through dependency, God's going to embarrass you a little bit. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, when the Red Sea parts, when different things happen, there's something about God just wanting simple obedience that is drenched in radical faith. Simple obedience that is so persuaded of the promise of God that when God says, make a turn here, You just get excited because you're like, if I'm just, if I just simply listen, I could see the Red Sea part. If I simply listen, I could see somebody that has stage four cancer get completely healed because he's the healer. If I just simply obey, if I simply do something that everything in my mind says, don't do that you're gonna jeopardize everything. You're, what are they gonna say, what are they gonna, it's what that's what the fresh whisper says. That's what heaven's saying, that's, what, that's where I wanna go and it's this, there's this time that the uh, the apostles, the disciples said, increase my faith. And when they said this, they were talking about, Jesus was just teaching them on forgiveness, so they said, increase my faith because they wanted to be able to forgive in a greater capacity. But I wanted, I wanted to share that, that when it comes to the faith that God desires, that sometimes when we say, and let me read it to you the way that the Lord gave it to me. Father, this is a prayer I'm praying right now. Father, increase my faith, not because I desire more things, I desire a greater capacity of heart to experience Jesus. I want to read that again so you hear where where I'm at. Father, increase my faith not because I desire more things. I desire a greater capacity of heart to experience Jesus. That, That I want my faith to enlarge my experience with him. Did you know what God used his faith for? God used his faith to create a space for us. So we should use our faith to create space for him. It's, it's, the, it's the love back. It's he loved us first and gave everything. He was God. He was, had everything. And he said, I'm going to use my power to create space for them. And I'm looking for a bride for my son that will use what I've given them to create space for him. This is dependency. There's so much. uh... The Lord is going to do something very precious right now. And and in order for us to get further, to get this place, you have to understand prayer. Prayer is the elevator, and worship takes us to the top floor. It'll bring us right before Him, bring us where we need to be when we pray. Jesus is the irresistible incense that God cannot deny. He's the irresistible incense that when we say his name with his desires, it rises as a sweet fragrance to him. Elijah, we talked about last week, and I just love it. It says that in James five, it says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much it says, just like Elijah prayed. Did you know we said it last week? If you read 2 Kings 17.1, Elijah's prayer was one verse. And we joked about it, but I just want to bring it up again. That when we think about Elijah's, Elijah being a righteous man and prayed for what he wanted and it happened, why on earth would a man pray for a three-year drought? We act like Elijah was praying for a new chariot, and he got it because he was a righteous man. No, Elijah prayed what God released him to say. But the thing that's really powerful about this that you need to know with prayer is right after he said it's not going to rain for three years or until the word of the Lord comes, where did God lead him to next? next, He said, go to the brook of Sherath. And when he goes there, do you know what Sherath means? It means pruning (laughs) right after and you know what he had to do he was at the brook of Cherith it says that the ravens came and fed him sounds like when you start praying like a righteous man or woman God is going to teach you how to depend because there was no rain and the most unlikely vessel to bring you food will bring you food Ravens never bring food. I, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, and I know all about I know all about those pesky birds. They don't bring you dinner. They scat. They, they 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 go after, and they they just go after their own little thing. But God used them to bring. And then where does He go? It says that He goes to Zarephath, and you know what Zarephath means? To refine. It's a little sermon going on in this story, right? that he prays what God tells him, then he gets pruned, and then who takes care of him at Zarephath? Oh, widow! God's teaching him to depend on the sources that this world would never look to for resources. Because this is what prayer is about. It's about God reducing you to nothing so he can be everything through you. He will reduce you to nothing not because he doesn't love you, it's because he loves you too much to let you be something when he knows that you're the best when you're nothing. Hallelujah. The, oh, I, I believe it was uh, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther said that, said that if God made the world out of nothing, then that's the only way he can truly make something out of us if, if we first become nothing. God doesn't need a whole bunch of your ingredients, in fact, leave them at the door. It's time for us to go to another level of prayer, dependency, persuasion of what he has said and being persistent to not let go of the promise, to not let go because of who he is. Is this helping you tonight? What we're gonna do right now is we had an altar call a little earlier and worship team can come at this time. We're gonna to begin to release incense of worship to him, to begin to, to love on him. <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you. You know, when we were sharing in Romans eight earlier about how, the, in verse 25, how the Holy Spirit knows that even in our weaknesses, when we know not what to pray, that he will, he will show us and it says that he will bring groanings in the spirit. Has you ever heard of that, groanings? Have you ever heard of Upper Room Church before? With uh, Michael Miller and uh, Larissa. That one of the things about, I, I love the story about that. Because sometimes when Michael Miller gets on stages and he preaches at churches. He says, I don't even know how I'm here. The, the, the reason that things exploded at Upper Room is because I got in a fetal position and travailed for hours. That the Lord just influenced him with his presence in such a way that sometimes when you hear people shouting and yelling, and it's not hype, that there's a groaning going on, that, there, that you don't have words for it, but you just begin to let something out from the depths of you, and, you, and I'm telling you, God is raising up a bride that's groaning for his return, that the, we're not gonna let the rocks cry out, that even if we don't have all the words to say, that we're asking God to awaken something in us that is going to be so unorthodox it's something that, that would chase certain people away but it what might chase the world away is what's drawing him closer and when I was thinking about the groanings in the spirit you know what's so amazing that in John 11 it says that when Mary came to Jesus and said if you would have been here my brother wouldn't have died Lazarus And she begins to weep. It said that Jesus began to weep and it said he let out a groan. Did you know our prayers awaken the groan in God? And the next thing he does, because what does it say as you keep reading? Jesus says, Father, I know you have heard me. But just so everybody here knows, what do you mean he's heard you? He just heard the groan. The groan is what called Lazarus for forth. But he just said it in natural language so that everyone would understand. But there's something that takes place in prayer that you might not know, but there will be a release that God is doing something. And he wants to take you to a deeper place of knowing him and understanding him. So right now, what we're going to do is... We're gonna take communion. I want us to be taking communion more together. Do you believe that's important? That it shouldn't just be a once in a while thing. We need to take communion as a body. We're gonna take communion. Anybody that desires prayer for what we're talking about that says, I need to become more dependent. I need to be persuaded. I wanna be more persistent. If that is you, after we take communion, come to this altar and myself and some others want to pray with you. And if you have something you're believing God for, come up here. This, should this be a house of prayer? Then that means that you should not be at a place where it's like, I'm good or I don't. If, if you have something in your heart that is drawing you tonight, don't leave without the unity of prayer going deeper and meet us here for Outreach Saturday, but be here this Sunday and let's fill this room with offerings of prayer unto Him. Let it be Him. If you do need communion elements, just raise your hand. Ushers will assist you and help. But Nick, if you come forth, it's time.